0: Recorded live.
1: It's been a long time. We shouldn't have left you. Without a dope podcast, is step two. Hey, how you guys doing? This is the producer from Brothers Comics. Welcome to our NBA recap podcast this week in the association. On the line tonight, it is my partner in crime. It is my point guard, my shooting guard, my six man off the bench. It's Will Stacks. Will, man, say what's happening. Will Stacks in the house.
0: What's up, what's up, what's
1: up? I know, man. It's been a while. Uh, we took the extended, extended All-Star break uh, like a veteran NBA team uh, just to recharge our batteries and whatnot. Uh, so we got a few things to talk about as uh, the NBA has been churning on uh, without fail. Um, let's get to that jump ball topic. How was the All-Star weekend for you, man? Let's look at Friday night, NBA All-Star Friday night, Saturday night, and Sunday up through the game.
0: I thought uh, the NBA All Star weekend was one of the best uh in a long time. Um, you know, starting with the rising stars. Even if you want to go celebrity game before that, but the rising stars shows a lot of uh young stars to be in the NBA. You gotta love uh the potential or the future I should say of the NBA, uh with players like Donovan Mitchell uh leading the way, you know, Dennis Smith Junior. You know, doing great things in Dallas. You know, Alonzo Ball, and give him a little credit as well. Uh, he didn't play, but he's you know definitely a rising star. Possibly Joel Embiid. You know, those types of players uh, look to carry the mantle, if you will, in the NBA one day. Uh, so that was a great start. Then All Star Saturday night, usually the the bigger night of the weekend. You know, with the three point contest, skills challenge as well as the Slam Dunk Contest. Again, um, you know, the three-point contest was absolutely outstanding and definitely came down to the best two shooters, in my opinion, Devin Booker Um, and Clay Thompson. Those guys can definitely light it up. Uh, So that was outstanding. And even, you know, the skills challenge. You know, you like to see, you know, what the guys can do with the skills. And, of course, the Slam Dunk Contest, the marquee event. You know, there were a few nice ones. It wasn't quite Zach Levine and Aaron yeah. Gordon, but it wasn't quite to that standard. But still, I thought it was uh, some quality efforts, you know, to throw back with Larry Nance Jr. to his dad. Got to love that. You know, but again, you know, Donovan Mitchell coming through, uh, doing big things in Utah. No doubt. And the game Sunday
1: night, um really turned into a competitive game throughout because eventually LeBron and company decided whether it would be a mix-up with the teams or for whatever reason, they decided they were going to play defense essentially all the way through the game. So not with a team there were the breakaway dunks and those types of things occasionally, but not people trying to almost score 200 in the All-Star game.
0: Well, you know, it's a, usually the All-Star game, is kind of the uh, after effect, you know, has been lately uh, from All Star Saturday Night. But this year, as you mentioned, All Star game was was one of the best in definitely recent memory, as far as I'm concerned. It was a competitive ball game, an exciting ball game. There might have been a little low in the third quarter, uh, but they definitely wrapped it up in the fourth quarter for sure. You could tell by all the fouls that were called, you know, if right. you're fouling in an all-star game, you know, they must have been <laughs> going at it a little bit. But um, teams even got in the bonus in the all-star game. When does that happen? <laughs> you know, so uh, definitely uh, the the all-star game was, uh, out on a scale of 10, let's give it a, a nine and a half. The only yeah. part that's missing is that the draft, was not televised, and
1: if they televised
0: the all-star draft next year and the same type of competitive juices still out on the court, you know, the all-star game is going to be the all-star game to watch. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it, it was an event, especially the fourth quarter,
1: and especially the last seconds, you know, when Steph's trying to get that shot out. They were playing harder defense than they play in regular season games. They're not going to let him get that shot off, so, yeah, I was, it was fun to watch, and, and again, it's not that I missed the the breakaway dunks, the pass to yourself, the passes off the backboards, all of that. I don't, it's not necessarily that I missed it, and that stuff was still there. It just wasn't every possession.
0: Yeah, it was still, um, still some definitely highlight dunks, some highlight passing, those types of things still occurred. A lot of threes, but you're right. That last possession, it's all Lebron and KD. You know, turn up the D for sure. They toast. Steph, you are not getting this shot off. You are not getting this shot off. They made it difficult for him. So uh, the NBA definitely um, big time, big time kudos for All Star Weekend. But hey, we're ready for the final stretch. That's right. So as we get into the first
1: quarter and the final stretch of these games, we are still going streaking. Uh, lots of teams on some big winning streaks right now. Uh, primarily the Rockets, who are in a tough battle in Oklahoma City tonight, had a big win over the Celtics this past weekend uh, as the highlight game from the weekend, 15 in a row, their second 13-plus game win streak in the season, and an overwhelming percentage of teams that do that during the regular season wind up
0: winning an NBA championship. What's up with the Rockets? Hey, the Rockets are absolutely uh, blasting off into orbit. The Rockets are playing some outstanding team ball, getting contributions from all over the court. Of course, we know about, you know, MVP candidate James Harden but, and Chris Paul doing their his thing, but they're getting contributions all over, you know, Capella and Gordon and Anderson, Ariza. Everybody is chipping in, and, and that's what you have to do. It is, to me, imperative, that the Rockets hold on to the number one seed in the West going into the playoffs so they can have home court throughout. I think that is so important. If it comes down, as most think it will, Houston and Golden State. Golden State coming to Houston for a potential game seven, Uh, you know, Houston would like their chances more so than going to uh, Golden State to play a game seven. So uh, they need to keep it going for these last 20 or so games. Uh, to hold on to that number one seed out west.
1: Yeah, only half a game up uh, in the lost column uh, for the Rockets. Uh, they do not play Oklahoma City anymore. Or excuse me, they don't play the Rock, uh, the Dubs anymore this season. Uh, so they do have the tiebreaker at 2-1 over the course of the regular season games. Yeah, I, I think it's important for them, probably more psychologically than anything else that they get that home court. Uh,
0: yeah, no doubt about it. You know, you want to – to have something to, you know, have in your back pocket uh, if necessary, and home court would be just that for the Rockets. All right. Also streaking, are the
1: Pelicans eight in a row? Anthony Davis in the month of February averaged 41 and 15. Uh, boogie who? Uh, are the Pelicans a better team without Boogie Cups?
0: Well, you know, the, the record of late would say uh, definitely, you know, Anthony Davis is, it's freed up, if you will, where it doesn't have to share uh, possessions, doesn't have to share, um, you know, the the low box or even the high post, whichever, you know, switching back and forth, as uh, sometimes him and DeMarcus cousin did. Uh, you know, you got to look at um, what we'll, we'll say Miritich coming over from the Chicago has really chipped in and played well since his arrival uh, and giving Anthony Davis a little bit of support. But when you're averaging Will Chamberlain numbers for a month, you're playing some unbelievable ball, and the brow is doing just that. You know, they're up to a, a fourth seed, you know, which is a little misleading, but, hey, you know, they're playing some outstanding ball, trying to solidify a playoff position out west.
1: And we're going to wind up having this conversation as it gets later into the season. Um especially into the playoffs, if you know, if the Pelicans go out early or whatnot, uh, it, you got to wonder if it's going to be sustainable to keep him in New Orleans but, because he's such a star, and the NBA and stars in small markets just don't work out anymore.
0: Yeah, we talked about that with Carl Anthony Towns in Minnesota, the same type of thing. Um, you're right, you know, keeping that superstar in a small market, uh, New Orleans, Uh, not an NBA hub, if you will, uh, (laughs) will be difficult. But, you know, uh, after this year, you know, you're pretty sure DeMarcus Cousins will be, you know, on his way somewhere. So, you know, it'll be just Anthony Davis and, you know, New Orleans is going to do everything they can, I'm sure, to keep him throwing out the max, you know, money. It'll be up to Davis if he wants to to sign, re-sign with the Pelicans or, you know, look for that, you know, larger market, as you mentioned, because I'm sure, you know, a lot of will be calling for sure. No doubt. All uh, right. Hey, the Trailblazers, man, up to
1: third in the West, seven games in a row. Very sneakily that they got up to third in the West, primarily because the Spurs have kind of hit a, a lull since the Kawhi Leonard situation. Uh, they snapped the Lakers five-game win streak last night. as Dana Dane Lillard with fame, man. Right? Hey, he drops 19 in the fourth quarter on the Lakers.
0: You know Dame Lillard just went absolutely berserk in the fourth quarter, scoring 15 points in a row uh, against the Lakers down the stretch to uh, turn what seemed to be a Laker win into a Laker loss. You know they are playing some great ball, of late, led by their backcourt with Lillard and uh, McCollum. But you know, the, well, I'm going to talk about the, the Trailblazers. You know further, the Pelicans were all in that. They're all in that Western Conference group, that is. You got Houston, you got Golden State, then you got everybody else, you know, light years behind. Um, You know, there's a big grouping on, so the seeding down the stretch is going to be so important. It's going to be some great ball from three through eight, because, you know, even Utah is just uh, uh, three games out of, fourth in the West, and they're not even in playoff position right now. So, you know, Portland better play some solid ball, keep that winning streak going if they want to hold on to that uh, high seat in the West. Portland's going to be a tough out for whoever they get. You know, let's say they
1: stay at four. For that four or five, they'll be favored and get the home court or whatever. But then they wind up that second round, whether it be against the Rockets or against Golden State, uh, those
0: two guards are going to give everybody everything they're worth. And Portland has a huge home court advantage. Yeah. you got to, you know, they're going to ride or die with Lillard and McCallum. You know, the only thing is who else can somebody else give a little bit of extra push, uh, to maybe, you know, help get those guards over the top. Cause they're going to do their part. I am sure but they need some contributions elsewhere, uh, to, to get a, a playoff series win. But, uh, right now they are absolutely rolling. Uh, up in the Rose Garden. No doubt. Hey,
1: the champs, man, five in a row, eight and two in their last ten. Definitely seem rejuvenated after the break as they were they were limping literally through the all-star break. Not injured. They were just tired, as you could tell. Uh, is home court advantage important to Golden State? You know, a lot of teams that have gone on these championship-type runs, primarily uh, when you get into these later later seasons of championship runs or dynasty-type runs, Home court, you know, doesn't become as important. You know, the the Bulls did it twice where they weren't the number one seed in the um, in the East and wound up winning championships and didn't have the overall record uh, as well. You know, does it really matter? Are they they just that much better than everybody else that it won't matter?
0: No, it doesn't matter as much to Golden State, just like I mentioned a bit ago with it's very important in Houston, not as much to Golden State like it wasn't important for Cleveland to be number one in the East last year. They definitely showed they're still the best team. So no, not as important because they know what they have to do uh, to get the job done. So they can uh, definitely play on someone else's court. But you know you know it's never it never hurts to uh, be in front of your home crowd when it matters the most
1: it's kind of funny that watching the last 3 games that I've seen with them um that they won but the defensive intensity is definitely not there for has like it's been for the other championship years but in the same breath you're still going to need to score
0: 120 to probably beat them yeah the thing is can you beat golden state 4 times you know you can beat them once Hey, maybe twice, but can you beat them four games out of seven? That is a tough task, you know, for for any team to do so, for any team to do so, to beat them. You know, they haven't lost uh, three in a row. They're once, I believe, this season. So, you know, to Golden State is a team that, you know, they, they can play somewhere else. They can play from behind because, like you said, they're going to score 120 points and uh, you got to really play some D to stop them. So Golden State, uh, they're just getting ready to to finish up these last 20-plus games and get in playoff mode. No doubt.
1: And the last one, uh, I'm going to drop this PE line in here. Uh, yeah, you can't trust it. The Raptors, four games in a row, a game and a half up on the Celtics in the East for the number one seed, eight and a half games ahead of uh, Cleveland, which is uh, third in the East. It's still a matter of trust. Can you trust the Raptors? You know,
0: as mentioned time and time again, I, they may be top seed in the East uh, when the regular season ends, but, you know, until they show it in the playoffs, no, I still will not uh, lean on the Raptors to get it done. You know, but they are, of course, again, backcourt strong with Lowry and DeRozan, but they also have been getting some other contributions as well. You know, a re. Emergence of Serge Ibaka as he has even yeah. been playing well of late. So, you know, when you got Toronto, and if Toronto, I should say, ends up the number one seat, they are a team where home court advantage is important. So they definitely need to hold on to that number one spot uh, over the Celtics. So, very important for Toronto to close out uh, the end of the regular season on a high note to keep that number one seat. So many Drake shots that we're going to
1: get uh, if they're the number one seed. Uh, this is something we'll talk about, too, as the playoffs gets going. Oh. You know the NBA is not cheering for Toronto to be making
0: it out of the East, though. <laughs> uh, no, definitely. Uh, you know, it, it'll be a story, though. You know, it'll be a story if they did. So from that standpoint, but, yeah, it's, as far as a ratings monster, Whoever they will play, it would not be uh, that. But, yeah, a lot of Drake and Beaver shots
1: uh, to come <laughs> if, they,
0: if they were to uh, make it that far. Woo, like,
1: yipes. All right, let's hit the second quarter. Now, we're going to go streaking the bad way, but we're going to kind of flip it around a little bit. There's some teams that are just completely in tank mode, and that's what we're going to talk about. Uh, the Grizzly. two years ago in the Western Conference uh, semifinals, uh, 14 games in a row, worst team in the league. The Knicks, four in a row, one and nine in their last ten. Tank mode after uh, the uh, unicorn goes down. Suns and the Mavs, three in a row um, each. Uh, Hornets and Pistons, three in a row. The Pistons are driving out of the playoff spots. Again, they've been flipping between the ninth and the eighth seed. The Hornets talking about getting Jordan out of there as the general manager and actually hiring Mitch Kupchak. Uh, The commissioner has been very clear that he does not want uh, teams talking about or participating in tanking, meaning that they're just throwing everything in and trying to get into the process like the 76ers, where you can turn your season around if you draft properly. So tanking, what in the world can the league do about teams tanking? Because it seems that even though that the commissioner doesn't want to even find uh, uh, what's his name, the owner of the Maz Mark Cuban for openly talking about tanking, finding $100,000 what can the league do to prevent teams from actually tanking? Because obviously
0: it does work out if you trust the process. Well, first of all, you can't technically say that a team is tanking unless you do what Mark human did and say that you're tanking, you know, if you're just playing uh, players, you know, like the Sixers, they played some guys that were from the G league and, you know, a couple of, lower, you know, draft picks, uh, and they threw those guys out there. And, you know, they were good players, but definitely not, you know, top-quality NBA players uh, that were going to win many games. So even if they were playing their best, they just did not have enough. And, you know, that's that's what clubs are going to be doing. You'll see a lot of the youth. You'll see some uh, developmental players. You'll see those draft picks that got uh, – you know, sent back to Europe. They'll come make an appearance. Uh, They will uh, play their guys that aren't their top guys. And uh, you've even heard Dirk Nowitzki kind of say that, you know, he's not happy with the way things are going. You know, he stuck around uh, with Dallas, you know, and didn't plan on being a part of tank mode. So, you know, he's not happy with that. You know, what can the NBA do to stop it? You know, that is, uh, a tough question. One thing I would say, you know, eliminate the the extra quote-unquote ping-pong balls, the extra chances, you know, in the lottery. You know, teams go into the lottery on even, uh, even playing field, that if you're not in the playoffs, you are in the lottery, but you don't get any extra chances. You don't have a higher percentage of getting uh, a higher pick because of the record, just everybody that's not in the playoff goes in the lottery. You know, that could do something possibly, you know, or or change the whole lottery process where, you know, more teams go to the lottery instead of um, just the non-playoff teams. Have a rotating system by, by year, uh, how the lottery is done, something to try to uh, combat the tanking, if you will, but teams just rolling five guys out there and saying, hey, put on an NBA uniform and go play. That's yeah. what you're seeing. That's what the Grizzlies are doing right about now. They're just say, hey, five guys out of Memphis off the street, hey, come play a <laughs> night and uh, see what you can do. And it's kind of funny that it's like almost NFL
1: preseason football and the fact that, you know, there's a bunch of dudes out there playing that ain't going to be playing when the season starts yet you're charging me full price admission to get in to watch this. And um, I'm not trying to do that. <laughs> I'm really not trying to see, you know, somebody that probably doesn't have a chance of being on this NBA roster that probably maybe should be in the, G, in the G League, and you're still charging me full price. Like, I don't really know what the league could do about it. I've heard some proposals, too, that, you know, like you said, everybody goes into the lottery. And, you know, you might win a championship and have one ball in there, but everybody goes in and, you know, Golden State or Houston or Cleveland or whatever it still gets a chance to get the number one pick, you know, based on, you know, just pure percentages and pure luck or whatever. I mean, I don't know that they can do anything, especially seeing now that this whole trust the process, I mean, they should have trademarked it, uh, the Philadelphia 76ers, because now people see that it can work. But the the thing is, the the funniest thing with the NBA is, is that even teams that get number one picks in the draft, it's really a crapshoot on if these dudes can play anymore. Like, it really is. Or if they can play, it takes them three or four years to become, like, an NBA player. And so the drafting process is so important. you know, teams like, you know, San Antonio be com- consistently drafting in the second round and pulling players out of, you know, leagues you ain't never heard of, but dudes come in and play. And they can play in their system and they wind up being successful. Whereas teams at the top, like the Charlotte Hornets, you know, drafting the Adam Morrison's of the world, consistently signing the improper free agents, wind up still stinking. So, you know, I think the front office part is just as important as, you know,
0: who they actually draft. Yeah, most definitely. You know, the Sixers, uh, you know, they you know, they kind of got lucky in an extent, you know, and this a terrible way to say they got lucky guys got hurt. And, you know, when guys got hurt, they were, quote-unquote, red-shirted, if you will, got to sit out and prove their bodies, you know, see what the NBA season is like, you know, from the sidelines. So then when they got out there, uh, they did have a better idea. You know, uh, Joel Embiid just played his, quote-unquote, first NBA season, playing his first, uh, you know, finally completing 82 games, and he's, you know, technically into his fourth year, I believe. Um, you know, but he's only played 82 games total uh, in his NBA career. So, you know, it's, uh, you know, what the Sixers did is seeming to be working out with Embiid, with Simmons, and if they can ever figure out Markel folks, maybe uh, with him. But, uh, you know, other teams are definitely trying to do something so they can get in the lottery, you know, to get uh, some guys like, Um, Aiton and Bagley possibly waiting um, down in the college ranks but it's pretty uh, disappointing and as you mentioned playing uh, if I was a season ticket holder in Memphis or a season ticket holder uh, in Charlotte or in Phoenix you know it would be really tough to go to these games I think I would have some uh, seats to sell uh, if I were one of those places
1: (laughs) Stub Hub. Um, yeah, and think about it, too, where the 76ers, I mean, shit, they did draft Nerland Noel also, and he couldn't play. And, you know, barely can at this point. He's just hanging on. I think he's with the Mavericks. And, you know, I mean, it, it's it's an inexact science. It's not like the NFL where you can go from worst to first very quickly if you draft the right person. It, it's just not. And I think the front office staffs are just as important. So even if you do tank and you do get, like, a top – five pick, none of those dudes are guaranteed to turn your franchise around. They just might be a piece.
0: Yeah, just a piece. You know, you you never know with these these young guys, especially, you know, these 19-year-olds and play one year in college. You know, they may have some future, but they're just not quite ready, you know, unless you're a LeBron James or Kobe Bryant or even a Kevin Garnett, and even really Kobe took a little bit to get acclimated himself. So,
1: yeah, no uh, you know,
0: those guys are very rare. Um, but, you know, the NBA, they have to figure out something to try to prevent teams from putting really non-NBA teams on the court. Yeah.
1: Hey, we're going to get to that here in a minute, but we got to get to halftime first as Nasir Jones starts to bring us in. Uh, One of the big stories from the week that we did not podcast uh, was the James Harden crossover. Um, It was played a thousand times over a thousand. Uh, Wikipedia pages were updated. People were commenting all over social media about it. Um, And then there was another play by LeBron James. I think it was the next night or the night after that, uh, where LeBron James goes in between the legs of another defender and uh, gets the ball back to himself and completes an and-one. All right, so pick a play, and then we'll kind of pick them apart a little bit. Which one did you think was the better basketball play?
0: Uh, The better basketball play was LeBron's behind-the-back dribble, and he was trying to split the, the defense, which he did, and actually the dribble ended up going between Tristan Thompson's legs. Uh, you know the dribble. You know, so I'll give the basketball play of splitting the double team to LeBron, uh, and for entertainment value, I'll go with the James Harden play. You know, because that is um, you know pretty big these days when you can cross somebody up and and quote unquote break their ankles, and he might have literally broke uh, Wesley Johnsons in that case, but <laughs> um, but. You know, when you can cross somebody up and make the shot, you know, it it's just, you know, pours fuel on the fire, if you will. And uh, he did all of those things, looked at him, you know, and even licked his lips while, you know, right before the shot. <laughs> so uh, from entertainment value, I'll go with James Harden. Um, basketball play, I'll go with LeBron. Okay, I'll take basketball play, uh
1: LeBron too. uh for every reason that you said, uh an entertainment value, like I get that, but in a um in, in a Jordan like fashion uh, against Russell in the finals in 96, um he pushed off. Okay? <laughs> he pushed him off. So it wasn't even like a, in my opinion, not even a legit crossover. I've seen James Harden crossover people better than that. They just didn't slide to the ground like that because he didn't get the shiver and push me to the ground. But Wesley Johnson also deserves every bit of criticism for Nam sitting there smiling about it and then not getting out, you know, to contest
0: that shot. Well, I would have been laying on the ground like I just got hit with a sniper with <laughs> a hammy or something if I went down. You know, it would have been something wrong with me where I couldn't get up. But, you know, um, Was Jordan called for the foul on Russell? (laughs) No. So definitely no foul was going to be called here. And I'll say that even the the Jordan quote-unquote push was uh, probably more (laughs) egregious than the one uh, of Harden. There might have been uh, uh, some body contact to go with the crossover, but it wasn't the contact that caused the stumble, in my opinion. You know, he was he was off balance because of the dribble and maybe the bump is what took him over the edge. Uh, but, yeah, it was, uh, yeah, not a great night for Wesley Johnson or his family. <laughs> Old school
1: NBA guy in me is like, uh, you know, like we talked about, was it disrespectful for Steve Coach Kerr to turn over the coaching range to the players? Was that disrespectful to step back, lick your lips, eat a sandwich, and then drain that three?
0: Uh, Extremely disrespectful, (laughs) yes. But in today's uh, NBA, that was exactly the thing to do. So, uh, you know, there's there's even a movie coming out in the summer. You know, Uncle Drew's movie is coming out based off of Kyrie and how he handles the ball. So, you know, that is the... Uh, thing to do these days. If you can cross somebody up, uh, doggone it, that, that's what you need to do, and that's uh, going to have the fans ooh and an ah in the arena, and you make the 3-2? Oh, my yeah. goodness. Yeah, I, I old school NBA person wanted me to
1: see James Harden go to the rack later in that game and have Bill Lambert body check him into the stands because oh, it was okay. just so disrespectful, but, again, I know this is a new school NBA. I know there's no retribution like that. It just doesn't happen anymore. But I was just like, that. Uh, I just – it was just kind of one of those kind of and one mixtape types of plays, <laughs> and I'm not a real big okay. fan of that. So, I yeah, was kind yeah. of like,
0: ah, uh, going to yeah. it. If, if it had been a playoff game, there might have been something if Harden went to the hole you know, especially against uh, the right player, you know. I know Patrick Beverly is hurt for the Clippers, but if he was playing and, and that happened to a teammate, I guarantee that later in the game, you know, somebody like a Patrick Beverly, he would have uh, he would have made a comeback, uh, yeah. if you will, at James Harden. So there's a few people in the league that, that would have um, sought out some revenge in a physical manner but uh you're right today's nba uh it's all about the highlight yeah
1: wesley johnson was like oh i thought it was a good play
0: i'm like what
1: are you doing yeah, no right.
0: oh, you can't compliment no, like, that well he he knows he's going to be a part of nba uh entertainment for ever <laughs> oh. in the his, he's in the Archives forever. So, you know, big ups to him. Yeah, he needs to body check James Harden when they play the Clippers
1: again, uh, when they play the Rockets again to try to get some measure of respect back, but he won't because, again, current NBA. All right. Yeah, so, yeah, shouts out, LeBron. Great play. Uh, He said he did it on purpose.
0: I I like to believe him. No. he he, he He did the behind the back dribble on purpose. Definitely not between the legs on purpose. (laughs) That's what I said, too. Oh, yeah, no doubt about that.
1: Yeah, a great play by LeBron. All right, let's hit to the third quarter. We kind of touched on it as we were talking about tanking in the second quarter uh, with the NBA trying to figure out, or they, you know, had to figure out the tanking. And now we're going to talk about their farm system. The NCAA. Uh been in the news a lot recently, uh primarily with this FBI investigation into players getting paid, even though we've been knowing that's been going on since the dawn of creation. Uh and now because these, you know, blue blood programs under investigation, the North Carolinas, the Dukes, the Kentuckys, uh Arizona in the mix of this, uh, there's talks that the NBA is going to get involved into the process of um maybe getting rid of one and done. And NBA players or high school players being able to come straight into the league, whether it be through the draft or through the G League and bump, you know, pumping up some money into their developmental league. So, obviously, the NCAA is hurt by this, uh, that'll lessen their product, but it gives the NBA access to players to, de- you know, develop them. So, it doesn't take them four years to actually become productive NBA players. So, is this a good thing or is it a bad thing that education is being taken away from kids, you know, so they can toil into minors like they do in baseball?
0: Well, it, this is, uh, you know, a, a LeVar Ball topic from uh, a yeah. few weeks ago, if you, you know, recall. No, yeah. it, it's not a good idea. It is a good idea to put money into the G League. That is a good idea, and from the standpoint of keeping Uh, players in the states as opposed to having them playing overseas, you know, to development and then come back if they do. So for that standpoint, yes, put money into the G League to try to get those players to stay uh, home, if you will. However, you know, to say let's do that so college players can come here instead of going to college, no, that's not the way to do things. That is not you know, a great thing to do. You know, here in in, uh, in our hometown, you know, we have uh, a single-A affiliate of the Cincinnati Reds, and it's a good time to go to a minor league baseball game where you have, you know, a few thousand people a couple of times a year. But you don't want to go see minor league baseball uh, every day of the season. Just a few times here or there, it's a good time. And it would be the same way for these guys in the G League. Okay, you go see a G League game a couple times, but you're not going to go see them night after night. You're not going to fill an arena. um, So it's not going to be a viable thing because it won't be the best players, you know, going to the G League. You know, so that's not a good option. If they are able to go straight from high school to the NBA, That is, you know, that'll take care of a whole lot of stuff, you know, for one thing. But then on the same note, kids going to college get, you know, when they play in front of those uh, large crowds, when they do all those things, yes, it does help them uh, get ready for the NBA. So if they don't go pro, send them to college. Don't send them to the G League.
1: Yeah. I I, I do concern myself with – you know, those kids that will think that this is a good option for them and it's better than going to college, whether it be for academic concerns or, you know, they overvalue themselves. And then you wind up, you know, being, you know, like that is Bull Durham. You know, you wind up in the minor leagues for all these years and you just wind up staying there and you might get a call up to, you know, the NBA on a couple of 10-day contracts. But for the most part, you're just kind of hanging around there and then you lost out on this opportunity that, you know, you you still had that opportunity to get that education. So I I, I get a little bit concerned about that part of it, but I also think that the NBA could, if they wanted to, really kind of push the G League or whatever into something that, again, LeVar Brawl kind of had this general idea, barbershop idea, and then they've taken it to a different level because they'll have the money and the financing to back it up. But it's to to maybe – get a league that helps the players develop by the time they do get called up to the majors that they don't have to redshirt those extra years and to gain 20 pounds and to go to the tra- training table so they can actually handle an NBA game.
0: Right. But the thing is, who are these players going to be? Because it won't be your top players. It won't be Zion Williamson, if you will. He's not playing in no G League you yep. know, uh, or, you know, if, uh, you know, DeAndre and were to go, if he didn't go to Arizona, he's going to go to a G League and play? Come on, you got to be kidding. You know, so it won't be the top players. You know, it's going to be the, you know, third-tier guys. It won't even be your, your quote, your second tier. It will be your two- and three-star uh yeah. recruits that might say oh man I don't want to go to college so right. I'm going to go here so who wants to see that guy you know no disrespect but no that will not be um a product that'll stick around long um you know without some major major help from the NBA
1: do you think they go the, they could go the route of like uh like minor league baseball like you talked about the dragons or whatever like each team gets an affiliate, you know, so to speak. And you have that minor league team and then people get called up, you know, people get injured or, you know, you got your second round, you got your first and your second round pick, maybe your first round pick makes it the second round pick goes there, develops in the G League. And maybe in 2020 that kid gets called up to the majors.
0: Well, that's the G League does that, you know, at, at current, the way it is set up currently, their teams have a, a, a minor league, you know, team. However, you know, those guys, you know, who gets called up? You know, every, you know, blue moon, you might see one for a 10-day contract, you might see two. But you don't see it happen uh, very often or those guys to stick around, you know, for a very long time. So, you know, that, um you know, those are, are fillers. When you have an injury, those are, uh, you know, when you have, uh, a guy that, um, you know, pulls a hamstring and is out for a couple of weeks, you call up somebody, you know, even they're even used more for practice than the actual game themselves. So, you know, they're the G League, you know, serves a purpose right now, but if you want to make it a viable option, there still has to be a lot of changes made. Um, you know, if they're not going pro, go to college ball. Yeah. And, there's, and I was listening to Tracy McGrady on The Jump the other
1: day, and they were talking about this, and he was talking about, you know, he came straight out of high school, drafted by the Raptors or whatever, and he was talking about, you know, he's 18, 19 years old in a, essentially a foreign country, even know, it's from Canada. Um, you know, he didn't really know how to do anything, like things that you learn to do in college. You know, he didn't know how to do his laundry. He didn't know how to, like, shopping for groceries. Like, he didn't know any of that, you know, and he – lost that, like you know, kind of life skill of things that you do learn in college. And, again, the academic part is important, but the idea of living on your own, uh, kind of making your way on top of the academics and all the stuff that goes along with college, I mean, that is important, too. You know, like that is a, a version of education. You know, it's not the academic part, but that is a version of education that you're taking that away from kids. And, yeah, okay, my mama can do my laundry. I can hire somebody to do it. I mean, yeah, you could do all those things, but, you know, I think there's something to be said about learning how to do that on your own. And again, chances are, you might not be the big baller NBA player that's going to have somebody to be able to pay somebody to be able to do all that stuff for you.
0: Yeah. There's a name that comes up. Um, uh, you yeah, I don't remember his quote, his full story, but I know Corleone young yeah. uh, was a high school prospect that was highly touted. Um, but more for more he thought he was better than what Mm -hmm. he was really being scouted as. And he, you know, got some advice that, Hey, maybe you should go ahead and go to college and do this or that. But he decided, no, I'm going to go in the draft and things just never panned out, you know, for him. And, you know, I remember his name. um, And that's one that sticks. So, and, and there could be other guys like him, to fall into that and that's definitely what you don't want to happen so um, you know the NBA and the NCAA you know even though they're supposedly not in bed together we know there is some connection
1: yeah.
0: uh, you know they they need to come together with some, uh, some agreements on how you know some positive strides can be made you know get rid of the one and done and then if you're going to do something with the G League do that keep players in the states um, you know, or get kids into college. So, um, you know, some work needs to be done. And uh, Adam Silver, you know, he's he's a guy that's uh, you know making some strides, doing some some things differently. And maybe he can uh, be one of the leaders to uh, do some things differently with uh, the NCAA.
1: Yeah, we talked right before we started recording, too, about, you know, how little uh, NCAA basketball that we watched, you know, kind of recently. Whereas, you know, at a point in time, like, that just used to be the, you know, the primer for NBA playoff basketball was to get ready for March Madness. You know, when you had players staying two years and oftentimes even stars staying three years in college, you got a chance to see them grow as basketball players over time, which made the tournament because it had stars, big-name stars that you knew the name of, you know, it made the tournament so much better. Whereas now, you know, because guys only come in for one year, if, if you know, only come in for one year, it makes the tournament, you know, you don't have any powerhouse teams. You don't have, like, that one player that could, you know, put the whole team on his back and carry him through, you know, to a, you know, an Elite Eight. And it just makes the tournament kind of, you know, blase, blase.
0: Yeah, you don't have a guy that takes you to the tournament, one year and then takes you again the next year or even yeah. three years and definitely not, you know, a Christian Lakener type take you, you know, all four. So yeah, that type of basketball is missing. And, um, you know, this year in college, you know, has been, um, you know, a very competitive season where there, there is no standout team, but, you know, there's going to be a handful of guys again that are going to be one and done. So, start all over again you know next year so um there's some some work that needs to be done to to quote unquote fix the problem but um you know let basketball players play if they're good enough coming out of high school let them go and then that'll cut down on some of the you know colleges trying to stick money in their pockets you know to try to get them to go to their school so um you know, let's let's do some things. Zion Williamson, he would go uh yeah, straight to the NBA, He's ready to play now. Sure. But now he's going he's gonna to go to Duke and you know, why is he going to Duke? You know, Kentucky used to get those type of recruits, but why did Bagley now go to Duke? Why did he now go to Duke? What is Duke doing now? Mm-hmm. That or what is Kentucky not doing now, or why didn't he stay home in South Carolina? So so many things, so many things. Um, you know, but uh, do something, NBA, to get it yeah. <laughs> yeah, no
1: doubt and it, it's a portion of me that thinks that you know, maybe the NCAA tournament would become like a little bit better if you had essentially three and four star recruits staying for three two, three years you know, maybe you get those, the teams get built up again, like over time, build up some rivalries, but probably not it'll probably just make it like low-rate basketball and nobody would want to watch uh, it either. So. Well, I mean, think
0: of, think of the Fab Five. The Fab Five yeah. got their freshmen and then when they lost, what they say? We'll be back next yeah. year. So we'll be back. You know, they're coming back. They didn't say, oh, I'm leaving. They said, we'll be back. So that was something to look forward to, you know, for the upcoming for the following season. So that type of thing, you know, really doesn't occur anymore. No doubt. All right. Let's hit to
1: the fourth quarter. Uh, hey, we're back into our best player scenarios. We've gone through a good portion of the league right now alphabetically looking at the best player for individual franchises. Um, we've gotten to some – a little bit of debate here and there about a couple of these. A couple of them have been completely slam dunks. Uh, like the last podcast, I think we had the Mavericks where it was Dirk, you know, hands down. We're going to get into a hands down one here in a second uh, with the Detroit Pistons, but just, you know, as we go over this, uh, there's going to be a debate here for the two, the second team that we're going to do tonight. So the first two teams tonight are the Detroit Pistons and the Golden State Warriors. All right. The Detroit Pistons one is a slam dunk it very easily. And actually I think even the second best one is actually a slam dunk too, but we'll go with it. Okay. So Zeke is by far the greatest Detroit Piston. It, there's no debate here, correct?
0: Yeah, absolutely no question. Um, you know, Isaiah Thomas, definitely the best player in Detroit Piston history. You know, you'll have some some old-timers talking about, oh, what about Dave Bing? You know, and uh, things of that sort. But uh, Isaiah Thomas uh, is no question the number one Detroit Piston of all time. You know, and you mentioned number two. Yeah, that that's still debatable, but uh Joe Dumars, maybe his running mate, yeah. might be right there with number two. Um, yeah. And they were just a, a great combination together, Isaiah and Joe. And uh, they complemented each other very well. Uh, so I would put Joe Dumars at the number two slot. Yeah, we're in total agreement with this as well.
1: Going back to number one, there's a small possibility that, not a small possibility, there's a large possibility that Isaiah Thomas is actually underrated. His ability to do what he did at his size is actually underrated. And he probably, even though he was listed as one of the top 50 players of all time or whatever, I, I, I think people shortchanged him on, you know, no pun intended, people shortchanged him on his ability uh, to, you know, affect a game. Um, in so many ways between assists and being able to score the ball at his side.
0: Yeah, I think he gets um, – he does get overlooked a bit, you know, uh, as a – you know, when you mention the top point guards, you know, of all time, because he was a, a combo guard. He wasn't a – you know, even though he was a point, you know, he was a point that scored. You know, he, Allen Iverson was a, a point guard, if you want to say, but he, he was a scorer. You know, and Isaiah Thomas, you know, was a point guard, but he was a scorer as well. So, you know, he does get overlooked, you know. Uh, some might say, you know, because of the whole Dream Team thing. Since he was not a part of that, he kind of gets, you know, forgotten a bit as well. And, um, you know, it's even come out uh, lately that, you know, people get on Jordan about, uh, hey, you didn't want Isaiah to play on the on the Dream Team. And allegedly Jordan said, Nobody wanted him to play, so, uh, you know, (laughs) whether you believe that or not, I think that is a scar on the legacy of Isaiah Thomas, but he definitely was an outstanding player for the Motor City. Yeah, and he, um, yeah, there's that. And, yeah, I mean, you know,
1: he's that player that, you know, like many of those dudes on the Pistons at the time, um, love him if he's on your team, hate him if he's not. And uh, I think a lot of people just hated him because he wasn't on their team. But yeah, I think he does get um, overlooked a little bit. But yes, yeah, so I'll, I'll go with Joe Dumars at number two, and I think we're good there as well. Uh, a great freaking two-way player at the time. Uh, remember the Jordan rules because it all started with Joe Dumars. All right, um, Golden State. Now this begin. Now we gonna, we skew older listeners on this podcast just because of who we are. So we know, like, the younger listeners are all going to be like, oh, it's Steph Curry. Steph is the greatest warrior of all time. And I think that that's not even close to being true, just because he hasn't played long enough to inherit that mantle. Even if you yeah. take it back 20-plus years to run TMC,
0: you know, I think
1: at, at least two of those TMCs are probably greater warriors than Steph Curry is at that time, even though he had he didn't deliver a championship. So, all right, so who would be the greatest warrior? I mean, I think for you and I, it's probably a little bit easier.
0: Yeah, well, it's, uh, you know, you mentioned, you know, the Ron TMC crew with Mitch Richmond, Tim Hardaway, uh, Chris Mullen. I think, you know, Chris Mullen would probably be, of those three, the highest on that list, so he would definitely be in the running. You know, Steph Curry, as you mentioned, he would be in the running, but as you mentioned, not there yet uh leads just more in his career and obviously he's you know uh you know projecting that way but just not yet. Not yet. Not, not there yet. yet. Uh so, in my opinion, you know, still he was he was uh he was around when I was younger, but he was on the tail end of his career. Uh but the greatest warrior of all time has to be Rick Berry probably it has to yeah. be uh the the master of the uh quote unquote grandma free throw, uh, <laughs> where he sat underhand, you know, so uh Rick Berry, uh NBA champion multiple time all star, um, you know, not the greatest broadcaster, but he was a yeah. tremendous player, um, you know, in the in the seventies, you know, for Golden State. So he would definitely get the nod as the number one warrior of all time. Yeah, it was for me, it was
1: between Rick Barry and Chris Mullen. Uh, Chris Mullen, you know, uh, essentially did Larry Bird like uh, out in the West, and a lot of people didn't get a chance to see it because he played for the Warriors, you know, and they were a, a decent team at the time uh, and then in the run TMC era. But he by far, you know, the better of the three of them, and although I think once Tim Hardaway actually moved to, to Miami, he became a much better player. Um, but, yeah, uh, it was between the two of them. Um, there's no doubt. Look, Steph will be that dude, especially if they add a the third championship here this year. He eventually will be that dude. It's never going to be KD because nobody's going to consider him, you know, a warrior, even though he might be the best player that technically played for them. He's not going to be that player. So, it's just, you know, yeah, it's just it's just too soon for Steph. I know that's going to hurt my son, you know, down
0: to his core. Uh, but, yeah, all right. I'm going to tell a quick yeah. story real quick. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, you know, talking about Chris Mullen, you know, we talk about one of the best shooters in NBA yeah. history. You know, you hear about Larry Bird, Reggie Miller. I mean, Chris Mullen had a stroke. I mean, yeah. when he let it go, it was you, – you You felt it was going in when he let it go. So yeah. uh, Chris Mullen was outstanding. Yeah, a ridiculously wet
1: jumper, as they say. Um and I was real. to tell cool the story real quick. Uh, one of my well, – the first time I lived in Florida, not to discuss on uh, here, I ran into Tim uh, – excuse me, um, uh, run TMC, um, Mitch Richmond. So I, I ran into Mitch Richmond on South Beach, and he was with a crew of people. Uh, this was post-career. He had already retired. I think he – didn't he sneaky get a ring, I think, with the Lakers? I'm like, I think he sneaky got a ring, like, at that time where he sat on the bench for the Lakers, I think. Uh, so it was post that time, and like literally nobody knew who he was on South Beach. Here you have this dude six six two thirty, solidly, and he's on South Beach, and literally nobody knows who he is except me. I'm like, um, <laughs> you're Mitch Richmond. He's like, yeah. Uh, can I get autograph, man? Can you sign this one? Yeah. Literally nobody knew who he was, and this is like 1996. <laughs> I'm like, holy cow, how do y'all not know who this dude is? But anyway, all right, so, yeah. All right, so good. All right, so we're in agreement here on the no no real paper base. All right, cool. All right, so as we hit the final buzzer, we start to head into the locker room. Uh, we got games of the week tonight. You can't pick this Thunder Rockets game that is currently going on. As I hit the ESPN app to check the score to see what's happening. Uh, Oklahoma City, uh, let's see. Come on, pull up. Uh, Oh, Houston up by 15, like in the third quarter here. It's not surprising that this is a game that uh, Oklahoma City wouldn't be up for. Uh, I guarantee you that um, the Rockets are going to lose tomorrow night, though, on the back of this back-to-back, because that's my game of the week, which is in Milwaukee tomorrow night.
0: Yeah, well, my game of the week is Friday night, March 9th, Friday. Uh, The Washington Wizards at New Orleans, you know, two teams that are in the mix, you know, in their respective conferences, you know, uh, New Orleans, uh, you know, fourth spot currently in the West, you know, Washington fourth spot currently in the East. um, But both of them are a couple games from moving up, but a couple games from moving back. So, (laughs) you know, they they both got to, you know, hey, they got to finish strong. Because, hey, a couple games here or there, and both of them could miss the playoffs, you know, if things fail. So, you know, that March 9th game, Washington at New Orleans, is my game of the week. No doubt.
1: All right. So uh, just a couple of big games here coming up. Uh, as we start to hit the wrap-up here, um, we need exit music, man. And you hit me up with a song, man. You got to explain why you picked this one.
0: Oh, man, I'm taking back to 2003. I and I with Robbo, Group Lover, Raj G, Marco Polo, you know, of course, produced by Pete Rock. You know, the song Faking Jacks is our song for tonight. Uh, I picked this song because you got some Faking jack teams in the NBA. I'm going to throw San Antonio, Milwaukee, I hate to say it, Minnesota, OKC, are just faking jacks, you know. They they get a lot of notoriety, but let's be real. When it comes time, they are going to do nothing. You know, they have, I'll say, no chance to get past. Definitely not to the conference finals, and probably not to the conference semis. You know, you know each of those teams I just mentioned. You know, and Washington's not that far away. You know, yeah. are they a fake, are they a faker as well? So. Um, you know, earlier I called Philadelphia faker, but maybe they're they're stepping up a bit, but um but yeah, San Antonio, Milwaukee, uh Minnesota, Oklahoma City teams get a lot of pub that were expected to do some big things. I'm calling them fakers. They're are definitely right. some faking jacks. So that's our song for the week, you know, produced by the great Pete Rock, of course, faking Jacks by I and I. Yeah. Yeah, uh yeah,
1: and there's a, probably a whole podcast that we could do on uh, Pete Rock's mixtapes post the CL Smooth Era. Um, yeah. Whew! Uh, yeah, man brings it. Uh, you posted something the other day that we posted out on the Brothers Comics Facebook page, too, as well as about, you know, that Pete Rock and DJ Premier teaming up to make, like, you know, like a mixtape album or whatever. And it's like, yep, yeah, you take my, all my money. Like, I don't care who's yeah. on it. <laughs> just take, I'll just take oh, the money, is, man.
0: There's no question. That would be... uh high on my heavy rotation list, uh, produced by either one of them or both, you know, know, the best, definitely the two best. Yeah,
1: no doubt. And it'll be interesting to see if they pull any of these new Jack rappers to uh, get on these tapes, which I imagine that they won't. But, you know, you hey, never know. That Berg, DJ
0: Premier. Yeah.
1: <laughs> it's had to be about as far as it gets. Because if anybody was Lil in their name, Is coming up on there. Uh, I can't mess with it at all, even with them
0: tutus. All right.
1: (laughs) So let's see, Rockman and his crew start to play us out, man. Hey, man,
0: where can they find you? Hey, find me Will Stacks at Will Stacks on Instagram at Will Stacks on Instagram. You can find me at Mr. Waters seventy seven on Twitter at Mr. Waters seventy seven on Twitter. Let me know what you think of this week in association. Give me some ideas, your thoughts on the top players in franchise history or even a song for us to play taking us out. Let me know Twitter or on IG. No, no doubt. And
1: uh, remember, you'll be able to find this podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, uh, Lisbon. I mean, I always forget Apple Podcasts. Uh, I mean, there's just a lot of places you can find it. This show is a part of the Brothers Comics Podcasting Network. Find the show, find your life. Uh, the Mr. Robot, Mr. Robot Podcast, uh, the, the Brothers Comics Podcast, which is the Mothership Podcast, the Marvel Hacks, our Game of Thrones uh, recap podcast, uh, just uh, the intersection with Malaika Salam, and we're just about to start a new uh, anime podcast uh, with these guys over at Metro Geeks out of Miami. So uh, just, again there has to be something on this network of shows that you will find that you would listen to and like. So, yeah, it's all good. All right. So that's it, man. Yeah. Thanks, man. I know it's been a couple of weeks. Sorry that we uh, we left you out there. Uh, thanks for everybody who listens. Uh, again, the numbers look very good for this show. It's one of our most popular shows uh, on the network. Uh, so, yeah, thanks for everybody for listening. Uh, we will, you know, we're coming down to the final stretch here, starting to get into those playoff runs. Uh, and those multiple days off, although I love the NBA playoffs, but uh, from back in our old school NBA days, when they used to play all the time. You know, game one on Monday night and then game two on Friday night
0: is, is, is a beast. Uh, but we'll, we'll we'll chuckle through it. Yes, sir. It'd be great for Joel Embiid. <laughs> no doubt. All
1: right, man. So we'll see you on the other side of the road, people.
0: Peace. All right. Will Stacks is out. Peace.